0: Section 29 of the Indian Storybook. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Indian Storybook by Richard Wilson. Shakuntala and Dushyanta. Parts 5 and 6. Part 5 meanwhile the beautiful garden of the royal palace was lying bathed in sunshine when suddenly a beautiful fairy maiden appeared in the air and looked down upon it now i must visit this king she said to herself seeing that i have attended to the safety of shikuntala ah now i behold him but on this day which looks so brimful of happiness the king appears to be oppressed with some deep sorrow of heart i will alight conceal myself among these plants and note what goes on without rendering myself visible without further delay she floated lightly down to the earth and took up her station on the spot which she had chosen at that moment two pretty fairy maidens like herself but lacking her air of authority entered the garden and noting a tree full of lovely blossoms lightly climbed up into its branches and began to gather the flowers throwing some of them down upon the earth as they were engaged in this pleasant task the royal chamberlain entered the garden and saw what the girls were doing stop he cried do not gather flowers there are to be no festivals this year by the king's orders pardon us said the maidens prettily we did not know of the king's desire foolish girls said the old man and concerned only in your own folly why even the trees which spring was decking out and the birds which perch on them are full of sympathy for our mournful monarch see how the buds neglect to shed their dust how the flowers remain veiled in their closed cups how the voices of the birds are silent and their wings seem weary with their own weight ah said the watchful fairy that sounds well this king at least is not quite so forgetful as he thinks himself to be a few days ago said one of the girls to the old chamberlain a guest arrived to do homage to the king and we came from fairyland to deck his groves and gardens with emblems of delight this is how we did not hear of his orders beware then said the chamberlain now that his commands are known to you certainly replied the other girl but if it be permitted to us tell us we pray you what has induced our sovereign to forbid the festivals of the spring that is a good question said the watching fairy to herself it must be something weighty which prevents a king from holding a pleasing festival have you not heard said the chamberlain of the disappearance of shakuntala we know her story said the first girl up to the point when the fatal ring was miraculously discovered there is little to add to that said the chamberlain undoubtedly the king's memory was restored by the sight of the gem for when it was brought to him he said yes indeed shakuntala is my wife and when i cast her off i must have for the moment lost my reason he showed strong marks of affliction and repentance and from that moment he has abhorred the pleasures of life no longer does he spend his days in making plans for the good of his people his nights are sleepless and when he rises from his restless couch he speaks like a man in a vision and whenever his eyes fall upon the form of a woman, he names her Shakuntala. "'This news is very pleasing to me,' said the watching fairy, still to herself. "'Consequently,' went on the Chamberlain, "'by reason of the king's affliction, "'the spring festival, usually so full of gaiety, "'has been prohibited for this year at least. "'But here comes our king himself.' damsels conceal yourselves the two pretty maidens at once hid themselves in the tree while dushyanta dressed as a penitent and attended only by a single guard and the royal jester walked slowly along the garden path ah said the chamberlain even in his depth of grief the king does not forego his majesty our king is worn and weary his golden bracelet falls loosened even down to his wrist his eyes are dilated by sorrow and sleeplessness yet i am dazzled by the light of virtue which proceeds from his noble countenance i said the fairy am very favourably impressed with the appearance of this young monarch the jester regarded his royal master with a sidelong look this is a case which passes all my wit he murmured disconsolately the fatal ring restored my memory said the king half to himself and half to the jester what shall i do to obtain comfort the maiden skilled in painting is coming said the jester bringing with her the portrait of your beloved the king and his attendants walked slowly into a leafy bower behind which the fairy had hidden herself this is well said she now i too shall behold the portrait of my beloved shakuntala dushyanta seated himself and looked steadily at the fatal ring tell me said the jester how the ring obtained a place on the finger of shakuntala then the king roused himself i gave it to her he said when i left the consecrated grove for my capital and i said to her repeat each day one of the three syllables engraved on this gem and before you have spelt the name dushyanta one of my highest officers will attend you and lead you to my palace yet in spite of this promise I deserted her in my forgetfulness. Now tell me, said the jester, anxious to divert the mind of the king from its sorrow, how this ring came to enter the mouth of a carp like a hook. When my queen was lifting water to her mouth in one of the streams on the way hither, the ring must have dropped from her hands unseen. It is very probable said the jester trying not to yawn for the sorrow of the king which seemed to lead to nothing was beginning to weary him but the strain of the situation was at that moment relieved by the appearance of a girl with a picture which after a lowly reverence she held before the eyes of the king he gazed upon the portrait with eyes blinded by unshed tears without speaking a word while the hidden fairy said to herself in faith, 'tis an excellent piece of painting which seems to bring my lovely friend before my eyes it is beautiful said the young king but not so beautiful as the face and form which inspired it besides a tear appears to trickle down the cheek of my queen, which does not seem to be fitting to her. Then the king gave directions to the painting girl to bring her paints and sketch in a background which he described to her, showing the beautiful grove in which he had first seen Shakuntala. After a while, the picture was placed in the care of the jester, who took his way to the palace, but he had not been long gone, when cries of distress reached the ears of the king. Then the old chamberlain came running in to report that an evil monster had suddenly descended upon the jester, and had carried him off, picture and all. His piteous cries rent the air, and the king, throwing off his languor with a manly gesture, called aloud for his bow in a glad, resounding voice of authority in a moment a warder came up to him with a bow and quiver and Dushyanta, taking them in his hands made his way to the terrace of the palace while the cries of distress seemed to be redoubled stand firm my friend cried the king as he drew his bowstring this arrow will distinguish thee from the foe in spite of the magic which surrounds thee at that moment however to the king's supreme astonishment the jester himself came smiling towards him along the terrace he was accompanied by a man in the dress of a charioteer whose feet seemed to glide along the floor of the terrace without any apparent effort at walking the stranger was instantly recognized by the king as the chariot driver of indra the father of the gods and king of men and he gave him respectful welcome part six o king said the charioteer live long and conquer i am sent to you by the ruler of the gods to give you a commission worthy of your youth and manhood the gigantic race of the daravas has for long assailed the gods with impunity but it is written that with your help they will be prevented from doing so any longer mount the car of indra with your bow and quiver and advance against them without further delay i am greatly honoured by the gracious command said the king but tell me was it you who snatched up my friend here into the air and caused him to send forth such piteous cries ah <laughs> yes indeed said the charioteer with a smile i was desirous of rousing your spirits by making you thoroughly angry. My friend, said dushyanta to the jester, tell my chief minister on what errand I have gone. I obey, said the jester with a smile, adding somewhat ruefully, but I wish the affairs of the great mortals could be settled without ruffling the feelings of lesser people who never did any harm to their lords and masters. We have not space to tell in detail of the glorious warfare which the brave king waged on behalf of indra against the foes who had so long troubled his peace his success against the giants gained for him the highest possible honours indra made the victorious monarch sit on half of his throne he perfumed his bosom with essence of sandalwood and he threw over his neck a garland of flowers which had bloomed in the gardens of paradise then the father of the gods and king of men gave instructions to a host of damsels to collect among the trees of life a large quantity of those crimson and azure dyes with which they used to tinge their lovely feet and using these as inks they wrote on the fleece of the clouds high-sounding verses in praise of the great deeds of dushyanta these wonderful inscriptions were seen by the king himself as he was driven through the clouds in the car of the god by the divine charioteer towards his own kingdom i see once more the habitation of men he said as he looked downward but it is yet so distant from us that the lowlands appear to be confounded with the highest mountains the lofty trees rear themselves aloft but seem to be mere leaflets the rivers look like bright lines but their waters cannot be distinguished at this moment the great earth sphere seems to be thrown upward towards us by some stupendous power the charioteer of indra looked down with pleasure upon the fruitful garden of the world how delightful is the abode of men he cried in admiration tell me matali said dushyanta what mountain is that which like an evening cloud pours forth streams of refreshment and forms a zone of gold between the eastern and western seas that is the mount of hemakuta said the charioteer where the god kasiapa dwells with his consort in holy retirement i ought not to miss this opportunity of paying homage to them said the king the idea is excellent rejoined the charioteer as he brought the car to a stop without sound or jerk a little beyond that grove you see a pious yogi motionless as a pollarded tree holding his bushy hair while he fixes his eyes steadily upon the sun his body is half concealed with the clay of an ant-heap he is girded with the skin of a snake his neck is wrapped round with twisted fibres and his shoulders are almost concealed with birds nests the two companions now approached the grove which unfolded before their wondering eyes all the delights of the gardens of paradise the balmy air was full of fragrance from the trees of life the water of the streams was dyed yellow with the golden dust of the lotus the pebbles on the floors of the caves of retirement were gems of purest ray and the attendant maidens were more beautiful than pen can describe the charioteer turned to his companion rest here o king he said under the shade of this tree while i announce your arrival to the ruler of this sacred grove. The king bowed his assent, and, as soon as his companion had left him, felt his right arm throb with violence. That would be an omen of coming joy, he said, but joy has forsaken my life since Shakuntala passed out of it. At that moment, he heard a voice which seemed to be speaking in a scolding manner, as if to a naughty child rest yourself it said why do you give way so readily to violent temper the king cast his eyes around and saw at a distance a little boy with two female attendants the child was forcibly pulling towards him a lion's cub and trying to prise open its mouth in order as he said to count its teeth the fearless action of such a mere infant roused the interest and admiration of dushyanta who found himself wishing that he had such a son of his own how he would rejoice in his fearlessness the lioness will get you said one of the women if you do not let her little one go oh i am afraid of her said the little boy with a mischievous smile let me hide let me hide then he ran laughing roguishly behind the skirts of one of his nurses. But he did not release the lion's cub. "'Let the little prince of wild beasts go free,' said the woman, "'and I will give you a prettier plaything.' "'Give it to me first, said the child, stretching out his little hand, which Dushyanta regarded with great curiosity. "'Why, the very palm of his hand,' he said, "'bears the marks of empire.' words will not please him said the second attendant to the first go to my cottage where you will find a plaything made for the hermit's child an earthenware peacock richly painted the first woman went away at once as the boy said quietly in the meantime i will play with the lion's little son end of section 29 of the indian Storybook book recording by Mackenzie Nicole Greenwood.